Welcome back to the Fourth Way Podcast. This episode will be the first of a two-part mini-series of sorts that we're going to attack on to consequentialism. Now, I'm, I'm somewhat disappointed because I already had our next series completely, well, the next two series actually, uh, completely done and ready to go, and I was looking forward to getting into the abortion series after this. Uh, but it'll have to wait two weeks, it looks like, um, because of just the way that uh, current events are unfolding, and now we have a global pandemic, and I thought it would be a good time to talk about that in light of some of the things that we have discussed on this podcast so far. So in this episode, I want to talk about my community, the conservative evangelical Christian community, and our response to the coronavirus. Before I get into the meat of the episode, I do want to make a few caveats. First of all, I want to say that I understand what I'm going to present will not be representative of all of my group, right? That I mean, that's just never true. You can't make a generalization about every single person in a group. It's a generalization that is generally true. And I might even say that in my group, depending on, on where you live and what your group looks like, because conservative evangelical Christians are a broad group, that what I'm going to say might not even be be representative of a majority of, of your experience with this group. But it's at least, at least a, rep, a representative of a vocal minority. And at least in, in my group, with my people, uh, it is, I would say, a vocal majority. And I think part of the proof in that is that you, um, one of the things I'll reference is Jerry Falwell Jr. in, in regard to uh, the coronavirus response. And I mean, he's a he's one of the the big two or three figureheads of conservative evangelical Christianity. So when you have your leaders kind of representing you in this, I think it does show that it it I can make this broad generalization. But to help you understand where I'm coming from, I have also started to save Facebook posts and articles and and things that people have said all the way back from like late February, early March. And so I will put a link in the show notes, which shows you a small sampling of, uh, of some of the things that, uh, some of the attitudes that I'm talking about in regard to the coronavirus. Second caveat here is that I also want to say that I understand that hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't at all intend to judge um, decisions that, uh, were very difficult. So do you shut down the economy basically um, at, at the threat of, of a pandemic? Yes, but how much certainty do you need to do that? Do you need 51% certainty? No, I would, I would probably say not because you know that shutting down your economy is going to create lots of problems, but we haven't really experienced the pandemic in our lifetime, not a really bad one. So there's not that great of a likelihood that that's going to happen. Um, and, and so there's so much information to sift through, and there are so many ramifications to think about, that if, even though I think our president and our, our country should have made decisions, more drastic decisions sooner, that's not at all what I, what I judge for. Because I understand that that's difficult, and 
had I been in that position, I don't know. It, it would have been difficult. I, I don't know how much evidence I would have needed to shut down to shut things down. What I what I am going to judge here uh, in this episode for though is our attitudes that uh, that give us a particular lens through which we sift information um, or or truth. I mean, our lens that is is able to skew truth and information. And so I want to take a look at at those motivations and uh, idolatries and and all kinds of things that I think were problems for our group looking at the at COVID-19. Final caveat. I am going to pretty much solely focus on the conservative evangelical Christian community. And this isn't because I hate them. It's because I'm one of them. Um, if you know my community, at least my specific community, the, one, the friends that I have, uh, our community is great at being judgmental and going around and... Uh, and critiquing libtards and democrats and all kinds of things. Right? Our, our, uh, my community is just heartless and brutal in terms of their judgment on other people. Um, they don't have very many voices who are internally critical, and I like to be that one of those voices. Um, I guess because I like being a pinata, or I like people hating me. I don't know, maybe I'm a masochist. But obviously, liberals don't like you if you're a conservative Christian. And conservative Christians don't like you if you're critical uh, of your own group because then you're not a team player. So everybody just seems to kind of hate you. And I'm okay with that. Um, But our group needs people who are willing to confront us about taking the logs out of our eyes. And that's where I see my group at. I don't, I don't feel like we can move out into the world very effectively or with much integrity when we are always pointing outward and doing very little internal critique. So I'm not going to talk about liberal responses very much at all because um, I really just don't care that much because I, I, I'm not concerned with fixing them. I'm concerned with with uh, fixing us first. So my, my silence, as far as critiquing liberals go, or, or any other group, is not because I think that they're perfect or because I love them and hate us, but because uh, that's just not what I view my role as. So like I said, before, uh, before we get into this, I do want you, if you have the time, to go to the show notes and take a look at the photo gallery of Facebook posts that uh, I've collected, and again, this is a small sampling, but posts that I've collected of, of things people have said, or memes, or news articles that people have posted, some of them range from, you know, well, COVID-19 is no worse than the flu, or the media is fake and hyping, um, which thing, things that seem obviously uh, crazy or not good now, as we've seen COVID-19 unfold. But um, also articles that, that if you didn't know who's posting it or all the other things that they posted, you would say, well, there's nothing really that, that, that's that big of a deal with this article. But an article like, um, it says something to the extent of, hey, look, the real global emergency is all of the people going bankrupt. 
and I, I get the sentiment. I think that is that is going to be huge. I, I agree. And um, that that's going to be very uncomfortable. But it, it seems like that sort of thing, coming from the person that I know it came from, is a is a um, diminishing of the value of lives lives that are directly lost from a disease. And, and they might say, well, yeah, but if people go bankrupt, then they might starve to death and stuff. But that, that really shouldn't be. The issue isn't that if people go bankrupt, there's no money and no help for them to be able to survive, right? The issue is... Um, are, are we, we have plenty of resources to be able to help people survive. Nobody in the United States, at least, should starve to death. Nobody. Um, so the one thing is, is very preventative, the starving and helping people during economic hardships. The, the other thing is really not that preventable, ultimately. Um, it's going to get passed around. Um, and, and so what that feels to me like like the article misses is what we're saying is hey look lots of people are going to die from COVID-19 but way more people are going to lose their standard of living if uh, because of economic problems and don't get me wrong that is I'm sure it's terrible to go through that with your family to lose a house to lose a job um, we're not talking about something something nice uh, or comfortable or good and there will be people who, who face some significant hardship. Um, but to compare that loss of standard of living, in most cases, to, um, to the lives of people, to lives being lost in a global pandemic, lots of lives being lost, that's a, that's a really big deal. Um, so again... Uh, you can sift through those. You might disagree with me on that and some of the other ones, but uh, you can you can take a look for yourself. So let's jump into to the meat of the discussion now. As as this pandemic unfolded, I believed pretty early on, like I don't even remember the dates, like maybe mid February, end of February. I I thought that the appropriate course of action was cautious agnosticism. Um, I. I mean, I didn't really know much information, so why would I shut down the information as fake news? But at the same time, why would I just um, quit going to missions conferences and things uh, without without more information? So cautious agnosticism. We we had talked about this about some uh, some of our what were upcoming missions conferences. Where, hey, look, we don't need uh, Catalina and the kids to go. I can go by myself. Right, but social distancing to the extent that you can. I still get the job done, but we we kind of act accordingly. Cautious agnosticism. Where we can, we try to prevent what could be bad, and um, where there's no warrants, like needing to, to continue doing work and stuff, um, where there's no warrants uh, with information, then we would just go through with that. So we didn't need to cower in fear uh, and cause hysteria, which perhaps some groups did more than others. Um, and we could take faith in God, because we're not humanists whose sole hope and goal is humanity apart from divine intervention. I mean, we, we could trust in God that we would make 
the wisest decisions we could and trust in him. Unfortunately, in, in our group, it seemed like willful ignorance and arrogant invincibility abounded. There was, I'm, part of it's like American invincibility, and you saw this in, in one of President Trump's first speeches where he took it seriously, where he, I mean, he, he said that, uh, I think I have the quote down. Yeah, here it is. He said, the virus will not have a chance against us. No nation is more prepared or more resilient than the United States. And my conservative group is extremely patriotic, or I would argue nationalistic. And so we're Americans. I mean, we succeed, we overcome. This isn't going to gonna touch us. And of course, if you told people that, they'd be like, no, that's not what I mean. But you can see that attitude uh, show through in a lot of places. And that's that's what I think one one factor is but there's also besides the american factor there's also the the god factor right you see this with um with global warming too and i talked about this before how it's so ironic to me that conservative christians are dismissive of global warming which i don't know if it's true or not if it's man made i, I don't know i i can't say 100% certain that that is true but there, there's sort of the uh, Pascal's wager at play there, right? We use Pascal's wager for God. Hey, look, uh, the the risk of not not being a Christian is greater than the risk of uh, being wrong about it. Or an abortion. Hey, you might not know if that's a valuable human person inside your womb. I might not be able to prove that to you, but think about the risk. If it is, if I'm right about a fetus being a valuable human person, you're murdering. If I'm not right, um, then you end up with a, a child that you get to raise as your own. And um, sure, you could have killed it, but the risks are much worse on an eternal scale if, if I'm right. So you should act accordingly. Act like I'm right. Well, the, that plays out with global warming too, doesn't it? Um, maybe there is no global warming. But if we have a good amount of evidence that there is and a good amount of evidence that we have some influence over it, uh, even if you're only, uh, f I don't know, 45% sure that it exists or 51%, I don't know what the, what the percentages would have to be. But if world destruction is, is uh, the risk and all you have to do to prevent that is cut back on coal and fossil fuels and other sorts of things, or at least move towards that, um, why wouldn't we try to pursue that? Why would we try to shut it down so adamantly? And it, it seems like the same thing is in play here with, with COVID-19. We kind of, uh, conservative Christians, have this idea that, well, God gave us dominion, right? And uh, dominion means that I can use the world however I want to, pretty much. Um, and so the treatment of animals that doesn't really matter too much if you're if you care about the treatment of animals you must be a liberal hippie who like because god gave us dominion or if you care about nature um then you must be a liberal hippie but uh, so anyway we have this idea that god gave us dominion and you know the god gave us the rainbow and promised never to destroy the earth and uh, again uh and and all that kind of stuff and we just think hey look God God loves us. He made the world for us, and we're invincible. 
So yeah, some people might die, but uh, it's just a little hiccup in time, and, and we'll get over it and move on. No big deal. As if losing a lot of lives is no big deal, if it comes to that. So anyway, um, that that's kind of what, I've, what I saw, a nationalistic and theological invincibility from people who were were saying hey let's let's not fear and the people who were telling me not to fear were uh, people uh, from Pennsylvania and and down south especially where you get a quarter inch of snow on Sunday and they don't have a discussion about fear and and going to church it's like well church has to be canceled because that's the wise thing to do that's the safe thing that's going to protect the people driving in the snow we understand that taking common sense appropriate actions out of love for people is a good thing, but when we see a lot of Democrats who are saying that uh, there's this pa potential pandemic, well then that's fake news and hysteria and fear and we should keep the churches open, which I saw lots of people fighting for. Hey, why are we fearing? There are people who, uh, who are in other parts of the world who don't just have a bug to fear, they have persecutors to fear, but they go to church. Things like that, um, which there might be some truth in some of those things, but it, it's just uh, there's this huge double standard that you see. So a as a side note, uh, back to the, the nature thing there, I do have an interesting article I'll put in the show notes uh, about uh, one, one hypothesis about some of these things that happen uh, about natural evil and um, just the idea that it's a natural consequence from our misuse, misstewarding of creation. So check that out. But anyway, moving on. Um, I, I think another thing that I would throw out there for a, a good part of the conservative evangelical community is you do have a lot of dispensationalists, and, and dispensationalism tends to move towards this, this particular problem, th this problem of viewing the world as a sinking ship and Jesus is going to come back, he's going to rescue us, and then there's going to be trials and tribulation and persecution, all those sorts of things, but um, we are in a sinking ship, and Jesus is going to come back and rescue us from that. That's partly why you know, a lot of dispensationalists are so focused on Israel. It doesn't matter what Israel does, really, where we would do anything for them, because we want to usher in Jesus Christ and and his reign and dispensationalists feel like um, that we do that in, in part by getting Israel um, prestige back and so if you if you view the world as a sinking ship from which you're you're going to be saved then um, you can basically if your actions make the ship sink faster all right ship sinking faster so we have this hope to be rescued from it, and honestly, we're, we're fine with ushering in Christ's return. And so that, that really makes us not very invested, makes dispensationalists in particular uh, have a tendency to be less invested in caring about the world. So my community, largely, for, for the reasons mentioned above, and I'm sure some I missed, my community largely ignored the virus as fake news, as hype and fear-mongering, and as theologically unnecessary. We just, it, we don't have to fear. And I, I saw some crazy things from my community. 
one of the things that I saw, which is stupid, and there, there really is no nicer word for this, but just stupid. Um, I mean, the, 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 I could think of worse words for it. Uh, mean, cruel, harmful, whatever. So stupid's the nice word. Um, but they, they were comparing the coronavirus after it had been, like, out a month in China. So, like, end of January. You had people start comparing the coronavirus to the flu. It had it had been in one country whose information is is um, is like lowering the numbers if it's doing anything, um, and and it hadn't gotten anywhere else of substance yet for us to be able to see how it how it fared, and we were comparing it with the flu. That would be like on World War Two on the first day of battle in World War Two. Uh, saying, hey, look, only this amount of people died. Compare that to World War One. World War One was way worse, right? That, that's not a fair comparison. You have to uh, you have to wait till the the whole world is involved and 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 finishes the battle. Like you got to wait till the end of the war, don't you? With the coronavirus, people were comparing. Uh, my my group was comparing it to the flu, and it was just you think about it for two seconds, and that it doesn't make any sense. It was absolutely downplaying um, and skewing information. And and the frustrating part to me was I saw this come from very godly people, intelligent people, uh, people who uh, my wife had, had uh, gotten her apologetics master's with. I mean... I, I, so, anyway, I have, I have really bad taste in my mouth there for, for those people have who used that it just seems so disingenuous and dishonest then there was a disregard for the broader medical and science community and what you'd see is you'd see uh, places like Fox News in particular who would use these one-off uncles who uh, would come on and and counter the mainstream information so you know it's like well um, my dad's friend's uncle is a, is a doctor, and he said that it's not really a big deal. When when you had the broader scientific and medical community saying, "Hey guys, we need to take this seriously," and it was it was just frustrating to see how you can get um, one person can just shut up a whole medical and scientific community, and it just doesn't make sense. We listen to the people who we want to listen to. Then there is disregard for the global community. And this is where our nationalism, my group's nationalism, comes in. It didn't matter what Italy was saying, right? It didn't matter. Um, that's Italy. We're Americans. Right? We're strong. We can we can beat this. We just dis- disregarded what the global community was saying about taking things seriously. And we could see what was happening over there, but that didn't matter because that was there, and we're Americans. And once again, you, s- you saw that in the president's uh, first speech where he, he took started to take things seriously. Um, and interestingly, of course, after that speech, I saw the memes and, and fake news uh, fake news from my conservative Christians stop being posted on their Facebook. Because now their figurehead, the, uh, the person um, who runs the Republican Party, um, their, their, um, their leader said that it's true. So, okay, we can we can appreciate his leadership and now we can start start taking things seriously. And um the whole the whole accusation of fake news and all that other stuff and fear and and whatnot 
really started to taper off a lot as soon as the president got on there to say it. We couldn't listen to the global community. We couldn't listen to the scientific and medical community. Um, we just we had to hear it from the president's mouth himself. And Fox News started to to change their tune at that point too. And there's a there's a good video I'll I'll post in the show comments that just shows how um, it was all hype and fake news at first, and then there's a change of tune. And that to me that that really brings in some of the the things that we've talked about in our first two seasons here. We've talked a lot about nationalism and in-groups and, and uh, defending that in terms of um, whether it's nonviolence, whether it's um, our, our felt need to, to act violently to defend or, or in response, or in consequentialism where it's basically making your own truth of sorts and figuring out what goal you want and then based on uh, your your goal you can justify whatever means you use so whether that's conscious or subconscious um, you know if if it's gonna help Democrats and if it's gonna hurt our president and our group then we can we can believe the truth that we want to believe right we don't want our economy to hurt we don't want Trump to be able to be blamed for the coronavirus so in our minds it doesn't exist or it's not a big deal so we 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 manipulate truth and and sources by basically figuring out what we want and determining truth um, that way and that's really disappointing to me because I remember one of the first things that got me into uh, apologetics was Greg Kokel and his discussion of relativism and it was just I saw relativism all around me, and I was I was frustrated. And Christianity was fighting for truth. But this right here, after the whole consequentialism series, and then seeing how my group responded to COVID nineteen, I I just can't stop seeing that my group fails to uphold truth. We don't discern truth as truth, but we have our own arbiters of truth, like the president and the Republican Party and Fox and the narratives that, that they cling to. That's my truth. I can't discern truth apart from my figureheads telling me what truth is. And if the other group gives me things, rather than discerning where the truth is in that those things, I need to dismiss them as fake news and uh, false. And that's just, that's a really, a really, really bad system uh, we've got going there. It makes us less credible as Christians, and it's just the wrong thing to do, to manipulate truth like that. But that's what we do. And don't get me wrong, all humans do that at some points in some places. Right? We, we're self-justifying people who see what we want to see, but we need to call each other out for that as Christians, because it, it shouldn't be that way. And that's where we are right now. My community has successfully politicized truth and and the actions that, that relate to that for a global pandemic. We just, we created the truth that we wanted to. And that's where I am right now. I am frustrated by my community's blind genuflection to political power. And I'm, I'm frustrated by our willingness to sacrifice truth and common sense to it. It's, uh, you know, it's a good reminder to me that we do need to avoid consequentialism that we need to avoid this idea that 
uh, in order to maintain power and subvert uh, our enemy's power, that we have to sacrifice truth and discernment for that, and that's just not true. So I am recording this on March 26th. I obviously don't know what's going to happen with all of this. Um, I anticipated that this would get worse and started saving Facebook images on, uh, I think I started like the 12th of March or something. Um, when I when I had the idea for this podcast, and I was like, I keep seeing these things come across, and I, I'm pretty sure we're going to eat our words on this. So I started saving um, Facebook posts, some of them going back all the way to, to the end of February. I wrote the scripts on March 24th, recording this on, on March 26th. Um, but I really don't know what's going to happen. I can't predict all the variables. God could miraculously wipe out COVID-19. Um, our actions and reactions could subdue it and, and cause it to stop. Uh, or it could be terrible. We could have millions die. We could, it could come back with a vengeance next fall. I, I don't know. But that, that's not really the point. Again, I am not critiquing anybody here for actions that they have taken uh, it, with given their best wisdom. I am critiquing people for, for manipulating truth, saying things that aren't true, not being discerning, and um, and acting on the grounds of political idolatry and, and group power as opposed to love and concern for other people and through discerning wisdom of truth. So even though I don't know what's going to happen, um, I do think that there are some interesting things to, to watch for, and that would be cool to study um, in the future. So one article that I read predicts that there is going to be a difference between certain states. The article that I read said that Kentucky and Tennessee, neighboring states run by different political parties, are taking significantly different actions in time. So I don't remember which, which state. I think Kentucky maybe is run by the Democrat, and they took significant actions earlier. So it would be interesting to see individual state responses and what party they're run by. And um, although I think I think Ohio's run by a Republican, and he he's done really well too, but he's also not um, in Trump's pocket, from my understanding. I think he's he's kind of independent and does whatever he wants, which significantly breaks the mold from from either party. Generally, parties do what what their their figurehead tells them to do. But anyway, it'd be interesting to see uh, compare states and, and uh, parties and how states run by different parties fare. There are obviously tons of variables there that can skew all that data. Um, so if you, you've got democratic states like California and New York, while well, they've got huge population centers in, in New York, obviously New York City, but California has a lot of very jam-packed cities, and I'd expect cities to, to have more of a problem with this anyway. So it wouldn't be a perfect study, but it would be interesting. It would also be interesting to see um, who who fares worse in terms of um, being affected. And this would be really hard to study, much harder than the other thing I just mentioned. But, uh, you know, what is, what is the rate of conservative evangelical Christians who come down with COVID-19 um, versus non-conservative or versus liberal? 
And it would be interesting, I would guess, that we would have a higher, a higher incidence um, just because I see a lot of people in my community who took a lot longer to start taking it seriously and even, even today don't take it nearly as seriously. But obviously there, you know, again, more variables. You've got people interacting and cross-contamination. And so if you're a Democrat working at Kroger and you've got lots of um, people coming out, obviously you, you can't really help getting it in certain situations. So I don't know. It would just be interesting. There's so many interesting studies that you could do with this to see what happens. And I would anticipate that, uh, that conservative Christians... Um, would would fare worse or conservative states, but again, that's just that's just my inquisitiveness there. But I, I really don't think that um, how things turn out is, is the issue here, because we're not judging. Um, again, we're not we're not judging actions because I think the president had a difficult decision to make. Uh, we are we're trying to judge attitudes and and uh, how we handle and view truth, and that was a big loss for for conservative Christians, in my opinion, in COVID nineteen. I'll post uh, post a number of articles and and links that I think are interesting down below, and we'll end here. And I just want to say that you know, unlike unlike many critics who are out there who are critiquing conservative Christianity, um, I, I really love my group. I think we have a lot to offer. I just think we need to start following and reflecting Jesus as our king and our only king. I think we need to start being aliens who, uh, who cling to our king and cling to truth um, as opposed to trying to market those things and... and um, and shape those things into into what we want them to be. This is a call to correct this gaping hole in the application of our theology because I really do love my community, even though they might not any longer love me. That's all for now. So peace, because I'm a pacifist, and I say it. I'm